Welcome to A Thousand and One Good Nights, a podcast about the stories behind bedtime stories. Follow along with two new dads, one a psychologist and one a book editor, as they explore the nighttime ritual of their foreseeable future. Hey, Ben. Hey, Nick. You ready to talk about the day the crayons quit? Let's get right into it. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of afraid to do this one because this is one of those books that I honestly just wouldn't feel like I would just enjoy riffing about. And that's kind of hard if you're not familiar with the very particular examples. It's like if if, <laughs> if you've been watching Arrested Development or something with somebody and then you want to like reminisce about particular scenes. It's, it's not, it's, I don't know if it's great podcast content. You might as well be talking about your dreams. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's more your bag then. Um, yeah. So should we, I think a lot of people are probably fairly familiar with this book, but the, the kind of quick recap, I guess, is that um, the premise of the book is that this uh, young boy named Duncan, who you never actually see in the book, he gets a stack of letters. Um, he gets, comes home from school to a stack of letters from all of his individual crayons. And almost all of them are basically complaining to him about being overworked um, in some capacity. So that, that's sort of like the, the, right. the shtick of the so book. It's right? like this, yeah, it's like epistolatory style the, and it's letters of resignation from crayons. <laughs> the, the gray crayon complains that he's having to, 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 he's being used to draw these really large creatures like elephants, humpback whales, rhinos. Uh, the, the, the yellow and orange crayons are upset because they're arguing about who should be used for the, for the color of the sun. The, the pink crayon is only used by the main, by Duncan's sister, apparently. <laughs> and we'd like to the, the girl's color. <laughs> branch right. out of it. Right. <laughs> um, beige, who, who is my personal favorite is uh, second fiddle to Brown crayon. And so beige ends up with really, uh, if, if beige is lucky, maybe Turkey dinner and wheat, <laughs> which is not 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 any crayon's dream, and so yeah, so it's a it's a bunch of letters of of resignation. Wait, um, you, can you, you, you can't you can't say that to a psychologist and have me not ask you. So who's brown crayon in your life? Like, who? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you just mean sort of jet? You, you feel you just feel like a second fiddle uh, often, or no? I, I just well, I, I sympathize with. I mean, the short answer is. Uh, I feel like I, everybody that I meet, like it's, it's usually, you know, it, I, I've always hung out with people that were really good at music and I like music, but couldn't play an instrument. And so right. just sort of on the, on the fringe, you know, I also, uh, I, I didn't, one of the first things I learned at UD was, it was new colors for Brown. So I remember I was on the orientation bus and somebody, I asked, we were going around saying what our favorite colors were. And somebody said their favorite color was taupe, I think, which Ooh. I don't think was true, but maybe. <laughs> and I just, I just remember saying, yeah, well, I mean, taupe's obviously, that's not a, that's not a real color. And, ever, and then, and then I found out that I was the only person in that crew that didn't know what taupe was. So anyway, <laughs> so, so since then I've been on, on the, I've been on the lookout for like underdog gotcha. brown, brown, gotcha. brown colors. <laughs> uh, you know, I, while we're on the topic, um, I really relate with uh, green crayon who happens to be the only one who doesn't who, complain, who doesn't complain. Yeah. Um, and it's not that I do my fair share of complaining for sure, but green crayon is the one who comes right before the yellow, yellow orange. Or 
mm-hmm. viewed. And so I feel like, you know, in my day job as a, a therapist, I'm, people are, you know, people are in therapy ostensibly to talk about their own uh, anxieties and concerns sure. and stresses and stuff like that. But Lord almighty, do I end up hearing a lot about uh, spouses and other people uh, right. <laughs> who are causing stresses and anxieties, understandably. Um, so there, there's a lot of kind of mediating uh between com- uh, kind of conflicting parties so yeah because so green green's complaint is not i'm he says i love my I, I love my job but i really wish you could help sort things out with yellow and orange because they're driving the rest of us crazy so. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um yeah. So do, do your kids have favorite uh colors do they gravitate towards well they think their colors? favorite colors are, 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 are shaped by their actual favorite colors though I, I don't know that this is a uh, a, a product of, of reading this book or just interacting with the kids, but recently Jack has is been a little bit cagier about his favorite color, and he's now he submits his four mm. favorite colors, and so he's like, and he'll say them all at once, and wrap, my my favorite color is red, orange, green, blue, or, or or something something like that, and then he'll and then he'll say, but I don't really like brown i guess just just to show that he can still he can still have opinion he's he's not he can still be hardcore but i don't know but uh but he likes red um and uh, the color and so i think that's why he likes red the 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 crayon gotcha my girls don't seem to relate in terms of favorites but they're they're very intrigued slash concerned by peach crayon who the the shtick with peach crayon is <laughs> you just see it unlike the other um in almost all the other characters, you see the crayon and then drawings that they've been used to create. So there's whales and you know elephants and stuff like that. Peach crayon is just you see the box of crayons and there's Peach crayon doing his little like uh, Wilson looking over the looking over the fence. You just see his head like popping right. out and you see fragments of his wrapper on the ground and the the text is. Hey Duncan, it's me, Peach Crayon. Why did you peel off my paper wrapping? Now I'm naked and too embarrassed to leave the crayon right. box. <laughs> so they just this is like the dramatic high point for uh, for my daughters. It kind of feels like is they're just very concerned. I think they're a little concerned about the you see the wrappers like strewn outside the box, and they're I, the the anthropomorphism here is confusing because it's it's unclear to them whether are are the is the wrapping clothing or is that actually part of the crayon? In which case, right. it, it's a like, lot more like morbid. Parts, like, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um so that this is the one where we get the most sort of questions and pausing um in our family yeah and each each letter is signed um much like letters to advice columnists with sort of a <laughs> a, 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 a sign off that reflects the, the 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 nature of the problem so peach crayon signs your naked friend blue crayon has been overused over the years because he's been duncan's favorite and so he signs it you're very uh, stubby friend um the, one of the white crayon who complains about uh mostly being used on white surfaces so you can't even really see the crayon's work signs your empty friend that 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 sort of thing did you um did you play with cra- like pencils and pens and crayons as a kid did, did you ever anthropomorphize them oh like turn my crayons into people yeah no Definitely not. So Did my, um, I, the main toys that I played with were pens and pencils. Like I would maybe turn sticks into swords and things uh. like that. But the main, I would play for hours and hours. I had this very complicated society of mechanical pencils and pencils and 
compasses and desk desk accoutrements and, and they had the the kingdoms and so and, and my maybe early on i called them the knock heads because i would just bang them against each other but then after a while like i they, they were so real that i didn't even i didn't even call it playing something it was just I was off with them and I resented it when my parents would say, Oh, you're, are you playing knockheads or something again? But so this, this idea of crayons being, uh, anthropomorphized really, like, really resonated with me. Wow. Because, no, I'm, because I'm, I'm a bit baffled because I, I don't know why I didn't like, this seems like very natural. Like, is this a common thing? Do a lot of people do this? Do you think? I, I have know, no idea. I, I don't know. For me, maybe it was, uh, I really, I, I like school, but also it was often hard for me to focus or I would put it off. And so, but I liked the environment of it. So I'd sit at my desk yeah. and maybe and I didn't want to, but, but then this was a way to sort of even postpone for a, a few moments <laughs> get, yeah. getting down to doing work or, totally. or, or something like that. But then it's like, well, well I, I, obviously I'll get to writing this essay in a little bit, but I've obviously got to settle some squabbles. Once between, I knock some heads. Right. That's right. Once I restore <laughs> order. Well, I see, I think this must be, Fairly common because you see the same thing with um, people love school supplies, even though they nobody admits to loving school. You know, like right. a lot of people love going shopping for pens and pencils and protractors and stuff like that. Um, but actually using them for schoolwork is a less enjoyable experience. So we should, uh, if only we had a way to poll the audience, you know, in real time, that would be wonderful to see. If, yeah, you know, see how many people. How many I haven't, people? I haven't noticed my girls doing it. Um, so maybe it's genetic. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But, but Jack, Jack right now is, I haven't noticed him playing with his Montessori materials in, in, in quite mm. that way, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, the the author of this was a uh, script doctor for in Hollywood for for years and years, and he had a a, a pack of crayons on his desk, and his thought was, oh, mm. I'll just try and uh, give each of them sort of an individual voice and character, and, and so that's that, that's the genesis of, of the book, which I think is pretty fat. Just I'm, I like the idea of writing the book. Like, how do you decide, like, what, like, what is Gray's complaint going to be? Oh, it's, it's that I have to draw elephants. Like, that's a pretty, mm -hmm. like, but then the way you kind of link it and bring it together, I, I don't know that just imagining sort of the organizational strategy that the author used for this book, I think is, is pleasant for me. It makes me think of um, synesthesia. Have you ever heard of synesthesia? Yeah. Well, yeah I mean, so like the, like the actual, like. The phenomenon. The phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah, where people get um, sensory wires kind right, of right. They smell colors or something, isn't that? Yeah, so, or or they associate. Some people have very like. I think the most common one is certain people have very dominant associations between colors and numbers. So for some people, like three is always like a for as long as they can remember, it's been a very specific shade of green. For oh, instance, like it's just in, in their you know in their mind. It happens with all sorts of different sensory ones but but that's kind of what's going on here is you're associating certain personality types and activities to colors otherwise sort of uninteresting right um, or, or or unidimensional objects right yeah which is sort of a cool exercise it make, makes me think like, like if i was doing it what i've done some of them are pretty obvious like like blue being stubby like i bet you a lot of people would get that because blue is a super commonly a lot of people it's their right. favorite color it gets used all the time for things like oceans and um but the like the yellow versus orange like debate that's creative, right? I don't know how many people would would come up with use that as a way to kind of describe their as, personalities. As a, a point of conflict. Yeah. By the way, while while we're on it, we should probably talk about like who's right is uh, is orange or yellow the color of the sun? 
Oh, it's it's yellow is the color of the sun. I mean, but I don't like, but (laughs) orange is sometimes like, it's kind of, honestly, it's it's kind of a beige situation where (laughs) sunset, there are, there are times in which orange is the appropriate color, but I don't know. Yeah. But if you ask a hundred kids to, to draw the sun and that you count like what, or you measure which crayon do they pull out, you're going to get a lot more yellows than oranges, right? I think that's right. Okay. Well, here's, well, here's another thing is like, do you, um, I think you might get – it'd be interesting to know how different it would be if, if you ask uh, 100, 100 people or 100 kids what color is the sun. I bet they would say yellow. But if you gave them just two crayons and said – you or four crayons and two of them are yellow and orange and said draw oh, one of these out and draw the sun, I don't know if it would be – Maybe be different. It the, might the be different. proportions would be different. I would bet that. I would hypothesize you'd get more oranges in there than if you, right. because it, you're getting closer to people really thinking about the experience of the right. sun, not just this conceptual thing of but like, not like a category of right, yeah, yeah, right. Hmm. Interesting. Um. Uh, so, I, one of the kind of charming parts about this book, but also a little bit maddening on a couple of occasions, is that the so the letters are. They're written, they're not uh, like um, normal kind of type or font like you would see in most books. They're they're actually like they look like handwritten. Someone's been written with a crayon in the book, but it's not even that. They're written on sheets of paper and different kinds of paper. So some are like the the typical kind of like you know lined like college ruled sort of notebook paper. Some of them are just blank white piece of paper. Some of them are graph paper. Some look like old journal <laughs> like right. leaves or something like that. Um, but it's, which is fun because it's kind of, uh, well, actually, and I think some of them are actually photos, like yes. they're photorealistic, um, which is an in, kind of an interesting contrast with the, like with the crayons, um, because you're, you're sort of jumping in and out of reality. Like, one, like on the one side, it's, it's just these like fanciful pictures drawn in crayon, but then there's also this meta story of like a, yeah a, a piece of part that's been scanned in you know, by, right. <laughs> yeah which reminds you that like there's a bigger story here which is like the crayons are quitting <laughs> like they're so frustrated they're they're giving up and they're quitting um but like some of the pages man it's like hard to read right so that i think it's who is it is it the yellow one yellow crayon where it's yeah like, the yellow crayon is a hard to especially if the lighting is tough man i would have i would have picked a different uh color paper for that but so that's one of my that's one of my main quibbles with the book, but uh, for the most part, um, yeah. Well, I think sometimes it's, sometimes it's a, it's a good sign. I think if you're quibbling with the book, because it means that you're you're taking it seriously. So, so, I mean, larger questions might be. Like, I found myself thinking, well, if the crayons have the agency to, to to write these letters. Why can't they just draw themselves like <laughs> something else? Or, um, I, I hope your self talk is in that tone too. When you're right. in potential quibbles with yourself. No, anything that any of my, the, the 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 critical vo- when, any voice that I have in my head that's criticizing children's book or that is kind of harumphing about something is obviously ridiculous. And <laughs> is that kind of like like you know like get off my lawn <laughs> kind of voice? Um. What do you uh, so speaking of quibbles? One of mine is the uh, and I, you know I'm I'm notoriously a stickler for uh, for last pages as we've we've talked about in some of our other uh, books. But how do you feel about the last page? Maybe we should describe the sort of ending of the book. You want to recap kind of how the book unfolds? Yeah. So um, and, and this is something to talk about too that that, that Chelsea asked me about. So she's a little wor- worried about uh, the snarkiness of the crayons. 
and just that oh. it's it, well, it's, except for green, they're all just whining. They're all just they're, they're right. all complaining. complaining. And then, um, and then at the end, Duncan listens to them. So depending on your reading of the book, either he's empathetic and he's like, you know what, like I, I should be giving these crayons different roles, and you know, uh, and so he draws. Uh, he listens to them, and so he uses. He, he draws a whale that's orange, and he has a pink airplane instead of just princessy things. And and he takes pity on the poor blue crayon and draws a sea, a green sea. And so he showed this is all this double page spread is very colorful because he's using all the the, the crayon. He has a black rainbow, and it says when Duncan showed his teacher his new picture, she gave him an A for coloring, and then you turn the page and it's a striped crayon with almost like Roman candle, like swirls coming out of it and an A plus for creativity. And, and so the A plus for creativity is the last page, which I agree with you. I, I think that last, just that last double spread that that's, that's what you, that would have been a killer way to go that, out. That's the way right? to go out. Right. And it's confusing. Like who is this stri- crayon that has like every single color on them and has like stuff shooting out of his head? Like, how does that fit in with the rest of the? St- they're they're sort of like lo- the hands are clasped in a very like approval sort of gesture towards Duncan. I get like who is this? How does it fit into the, with the rest of the story? It, it feels tacked on to me, I guess. Yeah, well, I'm also unsure like what it's trying to say. Like, it's maybe this wasn't the best use of color, but it was definitely imaginative. Is that the idea? But an A is still pretty good for color. Like, I didn't even know that you could get an A plus in coloring. So <laughs> I would have certainly stuck with an A. I would have not have pushed for an A plus. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you got an A for color. It's like, oh, he, he, yeah, he, he did a good job. And then it's, but then it's like, but he didn't even better with this, with this other category. That I didn't even know that he was trying to achieve. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. So I've got, okay. So for Chelsea's question, I've got sort of two takes. Um, the first is I think the fact that it's like a kid res- like, encountering uh, all these like complaints and frustrations. This is one of those, I, I think we talked about it with the, uh, the mouse book. Um, yeah. But it's, it's we, like we, the we parallel talk, we process. We about it a few times too with the, the, the mouse book and then some of, some of the, maybe the, the Mo Willems like books too where they're, they're kind of snarky or sassy and are, are we with just... With the idea that it's, it's putting a, it's showing a kid what it's like to be a parent, right? Right. You're, you're just like dealing with complaints all day long. <laughs> right. Um, so that's one potential reading of it that's kind of good or bad i don't know but it's you know and i don't even know it would be interesting i don't know how you test for whether kids are actually getting that message or not like i'm i my i kind of suspect my kids are too young to make that kind of leap um but then i also wonder by the time a kid's old enough to get that are they really going to be reading this book anymore and if not so is the message for the parents then the, they need to be listening to the kids and, and sort of letting the kids do or, or maybe it's just kind of cathartic like uh see the tables are turned this kid now has to deal with all the you know complaints of, right. of little mini people um so i don't i don't know um do your uh do your daughters fi- i mean jack is very much i just at the color level right now it's like why is this green or he just kind of wants to talk about things so i, I don't know that he's picking i mean maybe he's subconsciously becoming ruder and less likely to do his chores as, <laughs> as a result but um he but do your girls like do, do they find the crayon complaints ridiculous or are they do, do they register that at all or, or discuss it or i i think they get it but i'm i'm not 
but I don't know that they, I don't know about the leap from they're seeing these crayons um, complaining about various things to then maybe they internalize that complaining is more okay. And so they start doing right. it more. Um, I'm not sure. But so my, my actual initial reading of the, of this kind of what's the deal with the connection between complaining and then creativity at the end is sort of like the idea that um, like the best uh, inventions or businesses come from people kind of scratching their own itches, like something kind of frustrates them. And so right. then they go on to like, that's the like impetus or motivation to develop some sort of um, creative or impressive solution that other people can kind of benefit from. Um, so that's, I, it, I, the ethics of it did not, <laughs> did you, you weren't not too across about my it. mind. Well, I, don't, I mean, this is, this, it's part of a larger discussion. We talked about this a little bit with the, uh, uh, where the wild things are too, mm. in terms of Max is angry. And so are you teaching kids anger or is he learning a lesson about anger? And you, one of the things that I was most interested in when you talked about catharsis, about how it's actually not helpful to, 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 to dwell you know, in, in anger. Like you sort of breed anger by letting it simmer, you know? And so the idea is like letting it all out actually sometimes doesn't let it right. out. It just, it just increases your capacity for, for, mm -hmm. for anger. And I mean, that's, that's a big thing. And art in general is like, are you creating something for people to imitate? Or are you showing something like the world as it is? And then they recognize the truth of that. And that enables them to engage with the story in, in a more meaningful way. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good question. Cause like on one extreme, obviously is the kind of the debate about like violent video games, right? If you're like constantly exposed to lots of violence like are you more likely to reenact that and and i i don't know if there's a definitive answer to that necessarily but it's certainly an important question <laughs> that we right. should be asking and if we're going to ask that question it it's not it's it certainly makes sense to go a little bit further downstream and ask the more generic question of does the content of books actually affect kids the way they think and their behavior um so if you're, if your kids are exposed to a lot, like, I think this is, I sort of think this is why my parents didn't let me watch the Simpsons when I was a kid is because as an the adult watching, so I'm like, yeah, I'm like, what's the big deal? There's something like bad in the Simpsons, but it, it's like his, yeah, he is kind of rude and he's sort of sarcastic to Homer, who's kind of a dummy. Um, and he, he's not, he doesn't actually like vandalize stuff that often, but I think like there's like one episode early on where he's got like spray paint or something. I don't know. So, but it is, it is a good question of, are you, do, will kids kind of model the behavior that they see in any kind of media? And to yeah, what, I'm, to what extent? And, and I think crucially, like, are there, are there important mediating variables? Right. So like. Right. And then also maybe it's what, I think there, there's so many variables. Like if it's, is right now your kid, like really struggling to do, he never wants to do any tasks that he's assigned. And <laughs> so this is like, it's okay if the crayons don't do it, or he's struggling with some particular, or yeah. the fact that you're reading that this is like a different book. It's different when you're reading to kids. Cause you're, you're present, you're present in, in a way and you can talk about it. And mm -hmm. maybe that's, I don't know if that's worse or better. I, I know that there's, I don't know. I'm mean, the stakes I think are, are fairly low in the, in the, in the crayon book, but, um, in, but, in it, but of, it's a useful jumping off point right. for the super important, more general question, I think. Right. Um, yeah. And, and that's kind of why, I mean, and maybe we'll, this will be different as our kids get older and, and, 
we're dealing with older books and, and kind of the decisions those characters make. I mean, I, I feel like sometimes we can actually talk about more fraught things in a, in a book about crayons because the stakes seem lower. <laughs> does right. That, right. Does, does that make sense? I, yeah. Well, I historically it's sort of the argument for fairy tales, right? It, it like allows kids to sort of grapple with and, and come to terms with things that would be uh, too intense in more mature um sort of formats, but it, it still gives them, it, it kind of inoculates them to it. It gives them a little bit of exposure in a more accessible way. Right. Um, well, you know, that was, that, that was the author uh, studied that. That was his, his concentration uh, in college was screenwriting and uh, children's stories. And his idea was like, if I understand sort of fairy tale tropes, then one day and screenwriting, then one day I can write for Disney. And that's like, that, that was his yeah. like, ultimate goal. So you know, if, if if these elements are at play here, it, it might seem pretty, the story might seem pretty far removed, but I don't think it's an accident that, that some of this is strained into our discussion. So the other thing, while we're on this kind of like the ethics of children's stories, um, in this book in particular, an interesting part of it is that Duncan is not really present in the book. Um, yeah, and that really bothers Jack. He's always asking where Duncan is. Yeah, well, it, and it, it sort of bothers me, too, because some of the most interesting sort of emotional and ethical stuff happens on Duncan's level. So the crayons yeah. just complain. But what's interesting, or part of what's interesting is that, um, ethically, anyway, is that Dun Duncan sort of presumably has uh, pity on the crayons or sort of empathizes with them and then changes his behavior, right? Does something different. And then that actually leads to something really great, which is more, you know, more creativity so that's a that's a big like arc sort of psychologically morally going on but it's it's going on in a character who is only present implicitly not explicitly right. which which presumably makes it harder for kids to relate to maybe um yeah i mean do you think that that as for your kids and then for readers do you think that they're empathizing with uh duncan or the crayons i mean i think the crayons primarily but maybe that's what makes it maybe that's what makes this book kind of powerful is that the in some ways it sort of forces you to go beyond the the obvious right and, and sort of look more carefully at if the more powerful message is actually happening behind the scenes right um that it creates like tension or movement that so you, you have to like all great books you have to sort of like dig deeper to get the 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 bigger kind of fruits from it so maybe it's but again that I, I sort of feel like then that, that's primarily aimed at parents, right? More than kids. Because again, by the time a kid is old enough to do that intellectually, they're probably not going to be reading this book, I would think. Uh, so maybe it's more of a, a lesson for parents or, or a, a, a process for parents. I don't know. That may be more, the more we read these books uh, or the more we talk about them, I, I feel like the more we end up saying, it's clear that these books are written for us. <laughs> the, 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 the parents. <laughs> <laughs> not for kids. I don't, I don't know if that's just some form of narcissism or, or just. I'm sure it is to some extent. Yeah, <laughs> but 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 I do wonder, like how, and I don't know if there are ways to ask this without influencing the results. But to what extent are kids at least thinking about Duncan as a character? Um, obviously, they're because the crayons are the the obvious ones. Um, maybe they are capable of doing it more than we think they are. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think if, if I've learned if I've learned anything from being a parent, it's that kids are always capable of more than, 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 than you think they are. Hey, everyone. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Thousand and One Good Nights. If you want to learn more about this book and other bedtime stories, check out our website at 1001goodnights.com. That's 1001goodnights.com. Be sure to sign up for our monthly email newsletter to get updates about upcoming seasons and other new content. Finally, please help us out by rating the show on iTunes. This helps spread the word about the show and get it in front of new listeners each week.